And hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 12 Questions interviews on the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast. I am your host, Jeff Gluck. This week, the 12 Questions is with AJ Allmendinger from JTG Doherty Racing. Now, AJ, when we did this interview, was in the midst of a rough stretch. He had come off finishes of 26th at Atlanta and 24th at Las Vegas when we met up Friday of Phoenix weekend. Uh, He was without his crew chief, who had been suspended. He had lost 35 points as part of the penalty from all that. And uh, AJ was willing to do the interview, which I appreciate. However, I feel like he was a little bit down (laughs) at the time. And you almost just felt bad for him. I don't know. It was just like, man, it was it was kind of hard to listen to. So if you're wondering why he sounds so depressed during this interview, that's a little bit of background there. Um, I won't spoil anything else, but you may want to give AJ a hug after you hear this. So here we go. Okay. I'm here with AJ Allmendinger. AJ, the first question is, how much of your success is based on natural ability and how much has come from working at it? Uh... That's a good question. I would say, I, don't know, I mean, 50-50. You got to have natural ability to, to be here for sure. And, uh, you know, when you're at the top level, you're racing against the best in the world. Uh, but at this, with that said, the difference between the top and the bottom is, is very, very tiny. So you got to really work at it to keep trying to hone your skills and, and especially as they keep changing packages, figure out what makes these race cars fast. So. Um, you got to put both in, but you got to have the natural ability as well. Okay, makes sense. So Jeff Gordon, Tony Stewart, and Carl Carl Edwards have all retired in the last couple of years. What's your pitch for fans of theirs to become fans of yours? <laughs> uh, what are people getting with the AJ train? Nice hair. We'll just go with that. Nice hair. Okay. Do you, do you give out free uh, gel samples or anything to your fans? No, I still need a gel sponsor. I get a gel sponsor, then I'll start giving out free samples. Okay, that's fair enough. What is the hardest part of your job away from the racetrack? I really think it's, uh, for me, it's the the mental strain of it because uh, whether it's good or bad, you're always thinking about it, and especially when it's bad, you're really thinking about it. So... Uh, you know, there's a lot that, that comes with the job, you know, sponsor obligations and, and having to do things like that. Uh, so it's hard at times to put on a good face when, when you're struggling to, to figure out, uh, you know, where you need to get better. And, and, you know, I think more than anything, especially since it's every week and you're racing every weekend and, and there's so much going on, uh, you know, for me, it's, it's the mental side of it. It's, it's hard, you know, when, especially when you put a couple of bad weeks together and it kind of steamrolls, uh, I always tell people, for sure, it's one of the best jobs in the world, and and it gives a, it gives me a, a a great life, and and all the things that I want to do, I get to go do. But at the same point, it feels like the worst job in the world because you put so much into it, and feels like you get gut punched half the time. So, uh, I think that's, especially as I get older, I think that's probably the the toughest thing is I can't, I can't let it go. So it's it's always there. Sounds kind of stressful, just a little bit. Um, so a fan spots you eating dinner in a nice restaurant, should they come over for an autograph or no? Uh, it depends on how hungry I am. So, uh, if I'm really hungry, they probably shouldn't come near me because I won't be the nicest person. But if I've already eaten, then, uh, 
I would I would make sure that they come over after I've eaten because I'll definitely be in a lot more pleasant mood. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, what's a story in NASCAR that doesn't get enough coverage? <laughs> I don't know. I think everything gets too much coverage at times. We we uh, overdo it on everything. No, I mean it's just. Uh, I mean, the, it, it's it's not us. It's it's everything. Everything gets covered so much now. There's so many media outlets to cover everything. So, you know, I mean, I, I think it's the I, the only thing I would think sometimes is is when you got drivers that are doing well, and certain incidents happens that takes away from from guys doing well. I think that sometimes gets covered too much. But it's the world we live in. We want uh, we want those fights. We want those arguments. We uh, we want those rivalries, so you know I think that's what that's what we go to first. Who's the last driver you texted? Uh, most of the drivers don't like me, so I don't really have to text back and forth. Uh, Why do you say that? Because I'm not a real pleasant person most of the time, and and uh, I was raised in a world where uh, my dad taught me we bring our friends to the racetrack. We don't come to make friends. Uh, I think the last driver I texted was Tony Stewart because. Uh, I love me some Tony. So, uh, you know, we went back and forth, especially at Homestead, his final race. And uh, so, yes, so Tony Stewart. We're going to get that answer. All right. Do you consider race car drivers to be entertainers? We definitely live in an entertainment business. I, don't, I wouldn't call us entertainers. You know, hopefully we bring entertainment to the, to the people watching. Otherwise, they're not going to watch. Uh, and, you know, to a certain degree, you don't want boring racing because nobody's going to want to watch that. But. Uh, I don't want to say that we're entertainers. We're race car drivers. AJ, what is your middle finger policy on the racetrack? Uh, use it as much as I can. The, the thing is, is nobody really knows I'm flipping them off because my arms are really short. So when I stick my finger out the window, it's really just like the tip of my finger. So nobody really knows I'm flipping them off. And uh, I try to wear white gloves so that if they do see me flipping them off, it's better off to uh, they're going to see it a little easier. Uh, but yeah, my arms are too short, so nobody really gets to see me. And the problem is now we use we have an in-car cam a lot, so I gotta I gotta tone it back a little bit. So I make sure my team reminds me whether we got an in-car cam that weekend or not to know if I can flip out inside the car without anybody seeing. I could see that that would be detrimental. Um, some drivers, you know, keep a payback list in their minds if somebody's done them wrong. But do you also keep a payback list if somebody's cut you a break or done you a favor on the track? Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's it's one of those things you race how, how they race you and how you want to be raced. Um, and there's certain guys that, that you just know are going to race you harder than others. Uh, but at the same point, you also know that you get to certain guys and and you got that relationship where it's that kind of that give and take. You know, you know, at the end of a race, no matter what, the rules are off. But, uh, you know, Tony Stewart was a perfect example. I remember the first couple of years, about every other race, he tried to come down and kill me because I, as he told me, I was doing something really stupid. And I think it was Dover. We got to one race, and he beat on me a little bit. And I got where we were having a great run. I got tired of it, so I drilled him. And uh, after the race, he comes stomping down. I thought, all right, here we go again. And I was like, you know, I'm getting first punch in, though, because if he gets his hands around me, it could be trouble. And he slapped me on the back said, that's how we race. And he walked away. And ever since that time, we, we were racing each other fine. So it's definitely a give and take. And you have a list of no... Who, who races you how and, and uh, how difficult it's going to be, so for sure. Okay. Who's the most famous person you've had dinner with? Famous person I've had dinner with? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot of famous 
people that I I'm really to myself, so I got a really small group of friends. So, uh, Jeff, I don't actually have a good answer for you. I don't, I don't, I don't have anybody famous that I've really done dinner with. You might be the most famous person you've had dinner with, apparently. I guess, and I really tried to hide that fact. <laughs> okay, uh, what's something about yourself you'd like to improve? <laughs> Everything, except my hair. We'll go back to the hair thing. The hair's pretty good. Uh Hell you're really selling yourself short in this interview, saying you're not pleasant and hard to like and difficult and all this stuff. It's been a rough few weeks, man. And uh, I've spent about three days in Vegas, so my energy level's quite down. Now, uh, I don't know. There's so much to improve. I, I I feel like, you know, the the good side of it, somewhat, I got I somewhat got a good heart. I love animals, so we got that. Uh, I try to, for the people that that I truly care about and they care about me, I'm, uh, I try to show my appreciation in, in every way possible. Uh you know, I, I, there's just a lot to improve on. Let's just put it that way. Okay. So Ryan Newman was the last interview, and his question for you is, um, if you could build any type of racetrack, oval or road course, what would be the ideal racetrack it, it, with the different elements that you'd want? Ah, that's a, that would be fun. It would be definitely a road course. Uh, just add all, all the famous court corners that you could figure out whether it was the corkscrew at Laguna Seca uh you know the top of the hill at Bathurst um Molson Strait just just try to take every all those cool corners from so many different tra racetracks throughout the world uh and just put it together and, and have one really badass racetrack and that's what would be uh that's what would be ideal that sounds cool. There's like there's a golf course in Myrtle Beach or something like that, right? Like the best they, holes in the world or yeah. something. Yeah, they got there's golf course. They got a few golf courses set up throughout the throughout the at least here in the U.S. that I know of that are like that. So it's kind of the same deal. So I'm sorry, I don't know who the next interview is going to be with, but do you have a question I could generally ask uh, the next driver? Um, if they had to be one animal, what animal would they be and why? Okay, I like that. All right, I hope that I hope their answer brings a smile to your face. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I hope that the next uh, interview does bring a smile to his face because it seems like he could use one based on how he sounded during that. But uh, I do want to give some thank yous before we go. These are some of my patrons who get shout outs on the podcast for being patrons, and I appreciate them. They include uh, Jeannie Vrabel. And NASCAR Chasm. Thanks, NASCAR Chasm. Um, Daniel Barbier, Shane Iliff, David Damboys, and Sharon Eddy. Those are my shout-outs for this week, so I appreciate all of you. I did say on the Post-Fontana podcast that there wasn't going to be a social spotlight this week, but I may have a last-minute one coming up, so check back Thursday for that. I hope to have that. And if not, uh, you never heard me say that and you'll just hear it for next week. But um, for now, thanks for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.